Obviously, I was talking to Carol a while ago, and uh, the word didn't get out that I was speaking, or half of you probably wouldn't be here, so that's good. Um, what beautiful singing this morning the ladies did. Uh, what a blessing that was, and he is every Sunday, actually. Um, having a little trouble, not only, I got new glasses Friday, and uh so you can sit out there and sleep or make faces or laugh or whatever. I won't see you anyway, probably. Uh, but they're also giving me a fit with this microphone. That's the first time with that. So, but also having ear issues. Some of you know I've been going through it for about three or four months. But, uh, you know, through been to specialists three times and a family doctor once and three hearing tests and uh, still got nothing. Uh probably going to schedule an MRI next, but if I'm, so if I'm not too loud, or maybe I'm too loud, I don't know, sometimes I can't really tell with the, with the ear issue going on. Uh, this is something I never expected to do, I can promise you that, I never expected to be standing up on Sunday morning uh, speaking in front of the congregation. I almost had Sherry uh, send out on the phone tree that uh, everybody go ahead and plan to eat lunch out today, because I'll get you out of here in time to uh, beat the Sunday crowd. Um, but, you know, I was when William called, I guess it was uh, the last day it snowed, I was sitting in the living room watching it snow just as calm as could be. You know, it's so pretty falling. And then I get that call, can you speak on Sunday morning, March the 1st? Well, I went from calm to my heart beating out of my chest. Um, and, of course, we talked about it and. And, and been a lot of praying about it since, and uh, he's doing fine. He texted me this morning to uh, reassure me that he was still praying for me this morning, so I appreciated that, but I want to thank him for the confidence, and I did so when I was talking to him, for the confidence that he had in, order, in asking me to come up here. You know, I kind of, we've talked about it in Sunday school class before, but it's, it's kind of like, you know, if you're on an athletic team and your coach asks you to do something, or you're teacher asks you to do something or you know um, your parent asks you to do something you kind of hate to say no uh, even though deep down like I was when he first asked me I thought oh no well my first thought was and I said this to him what's wrong with Joe I mean is, is he out of town or somewhere why is Joe not doing it but uh, but he told me he felt led to ask me and uh, I felt led to accept it so with a lot of praying uh, God revealed to me what he might want me to talk about this morning. Um, and that happened on a Thursday, and then we had church last Sunday. And, and I'd already been seeking God's guidance. And uh, last week in Sunday school, Joe stood up, and, and he had a lesson prepared, uh, but he sat down. And uh, he said, he asked the class, is there anything that any of you want to say, or is there anything that any of you want class to pray for and we all know how much joe loves to talk so god must have really been laying it on his heart in order for him to sit down and uh, allow the class to talk about some things and it turned out that was the case uh, meaning in the class took that opportunity uh, to express some issues that they were going through and honestly some might have talked more if my wife wouldn't have talked the whole time we were in there and given other people some opportunity but um it, it was great, and it led into the same train of thought that I had been having, and that is that people are hurting. People are going through a lot of different 
painful situations and different types of pain, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. But it did. It brought to light that no matter you know how good I may think Tony's doing, Tony's probably hurting with something. And that goes for every single one of us in here. We all have things going on in our lives. The main scripture today, if you want to turn, I'm going to take it from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, it's not a lot of scripture, and I'm going to reference a few others, but that's where the main uh, scripture is going to come from today. First of all, there are different kinds of pain. First, there's physical pain. And many in this church are suffering from physical pain. Um, Sylvia, Lawrence, Connie, Bill Tester just had eye surgery this past week. Ron, Nolan, Tanya, and many of us with aches and pains. These are easy to see, and we have the phone tree message going out that alerts us to certain situations in people's lives and in certain prayer requests. But that's an easy pain to see, that physical pain, and we're aware of it. Like I said, we're made known by it from several different uh, ways. Uh, but it's easy to see a lot of times when people are going through physical pain. But emotional and mental pain, on the other hand, is not as recognizable. Now, we know it's from situations such as when members lose spouses or children or relatives, but we can't really know how bad they're hurting on the inside. There are some of us hurting on the inside because of losing loved ones. For example, the most recent being Sheila with the passing of her father and the struggles that they're going through with her mother and so her and Sammy. Others may be hurting because of unsaved family members that you've prayed years for and months for, and you, you, know, you plead with God to, to save them and, and show them uh, the way, and it just hasn't happened. Or we have family members or friends who are sick and suffering from many different types of illnesses. So my topic today is, why does God allow pain and suffering? First of all, the key word in that is that God allows it. He doesn't cause it. He allows it. And, it, you know, it began back at the beginning of time when he created the heavens and the earth and he created man and woman. Everything was perfect. There was no pain. There was no sickness. There was no sin. There was no hunger. They didn't have to worry about anything. Uh, but God gave man free will. And in Genesis, we learned that he made us in the image of God. But God gave us choices. We can choose to do what's good, or we can choose to do what's evil. We can choose to accept God, or we can choose to reject Him. And why did God give us choices? Mainly, I think, because He didn't want a bunch of puppets that He could just control into everything. Um, but He didn't have to give us choices. He could have forced us to worship Him. He could have forced us to love Him and serve Him. But he wanted us to love him voluntarily. And you really can't say you love somebody unless you have the opportunity to not love them. So he gave us that free will to make those choices. Now, free will isn't only a blessing. Sometimes it's a burden. Sometimes we make dumb choices. Those choices have all kinds of painful consequences in our lives. I can choose to experiment with drugs. If I become an addict, that's my fault. I can choose to rob a bank. If I get caught, I'm going to go to prison. Again, that's my fault. God doesn't want us to have this kind of pain, but
but he allows us to face the consequences of our choices. Now, not only do we have free will, but everyone else does as well. And sometimes we get hurt because of other people's bad choices. Drunk drivers on the highway. I heard this week, I think it was the first of this week, that a 77-year-old driver down near Savannah, Georgia, on I-95, I believe it was, coming down the interstate in the wrong lane, crashed into a car, killed two adults and two children. Last he said, the man wasn't impaired, but obviously something, somewhere he made a bad choice. Uh, I know we've all seen on the news in recent months church shooters, people that come into a church and shoot it up and kill people where people thought they could go on Sunday morning to worship God, be safe, as we most of us feel here this morning. But then somebody made a bad choice and people suffered and died. We've all been hurt by someone else at some point in our life. You probably asked yourself, why didn't God prevent it? He could have. Problem is, he could have took that person's free will away. He could have took that church shooter's free will away from them and not allowed that to happen. But if he did that, he would then also have to take the free will away from us. And that's the dilemma. Again, why does God allow us to experience pain? Number one, God uses pain to get our attention. Pain is a warning light. It tells us something is wrong. It's not the problem. It's just a symptom. It's God's megaphone. As you've heard before, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pain. Proverbs 20, chapter 20, verse 30 says, Blows and wounds cleanse away evil, and beatings purge the inmost being. In other words, sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. If you will, I'm going to read a little passage today from a book that I read uh, years ago. I had a co-worker to give it to me, actually. It's Memoirs of Tony Dungy. It's called Quiet Strength. I don't know if you know who Tony Dungy is. Some, most of you do. A lot of the men do, anyway. He's a football coach. Uh, he coached professionally in the NFL for several teams. He was the head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, and still to this day, I think, the most successful coach they ever had. And then he later coached for the Indianapolis Colts where he won the Super Bowl in 2007 with uh, Peyton Manning as his quarterback. But Tony's a very devout Christian. He's a very devout family man. Uh, he's always been big in FCA. He, uh, he led Bible studies uh, with almost every team he ever coached at for his assistant coaches as well as any players that wanted to come and and take advantage of that. So in this book, of course, it has a lot of football in it, but it, it's got a lot of how God affects all of his life choices and how God worked in his life. Um, he was married, uh, him and his wife, Lauren, and at the time, around the year 2000, they had three children of their own, three teenagers. And uh, but him and his wife felt it in 2000 that God was leading them to adopt a child that nobody wanted. And uh, so, of course, through a lot of prayer and, and studying, um, they went through that process. And I want to read you a situation when they were doing this here in August of 2000. We adopted Jordan. He was in the hospital for a few days after birth before we got to bring him home. Just running a few more tests, we were told by the doctors and nurses. We assumed this was normal procedure when adopting a newborn 
although we were a bit concerned that the birth mother might be changing her mind. The agency told us not to worry, and all the tests had turned out fine. We thought it was a little odd, however, that Jordan didn't cry when he got his first set of shots. Then one afternoon, when, I was about, when he was about five months old, I was home alone with him, probably engrossed in a football game, I'm afraid, when he fell off the bed and he didn't cry. We took him to a pediatric neurologist in Tampa and started asking more questions. We learned then that unlike most babies, Jordan, hasn't, Jordan hadn't cried in the hospital after birth when he was given eye drops. The neurologist suggested we take him to the University of Florida for more definitive tests. The doctors in Gainesville gave us an answer. Jordan was diagnosed with congenital insensitivity to pain. Jordan is missing a gene, it turns out, and therefore doesn't feel pain the way other people do. Some experts think he might not feel any pain at all. Through Jordan, I realized that God allows us to feel pain for a reason, to protect us. God uses many things to show us what to avoid, and painful consequences often teach us lessons quickly. For example, like most kids, Jordan loves cookies. And warm cookies certainly aren't bad for you, at least in moderation. But they are harmful if they're still in the oven. Jordan would reach right in and pull out the piping hot cookie sheet with his bare hands. Then he would begin to eat the cookies without even realizing he was burning his hands and his mouth in the process. Even a trip to the emergency room didn't help him understand that he was injuring himself. I think at one time or another, every one of our children has gone running through the house at full tilt, looking back at a sibling in hot pursuit or waiting for a pass. They inevitably slammed into the wall with the side of their head. They've all done it once. And then, because of the pain, they care, they're careful not to let it happen again. Jordan, on the other hand, does this kind of thing repeatedly and gets up smiling. Without the painful consequences, how is he to learn? Lauren and I have had to teach him the consequences of right and wrong and dangerous activities in order to protect him. Pain isn't available to him as a teaching tool. Before we had Jordan, I hadn't thought much about the way God uses pain to protect us from further negative consequences down the road. With Jordan, this has become obvious. Pain prompts us to change behavior that is destructive to ourselves or to others. Pain can be a highly effective instructor. Can you think of situations where pain motivated you to make a change? Maybe you gained weight and the tightness in your waistband was uncomfortable, so it forced you to go to the store and buy a bigger size pants. Maybe you only chewed food on one side of your mouth because your tooth hurt so bad if you chewed it on the other side, which in turn forced you to go to the dentist to get a bad tooth treated. So God uses pain to get our attention. Remember the story of Jonah. Jonah was going one way, and God said, I want you to go the other way. So he provided an alternative means of transportation for Jonah, a whale. And at the bottom of the ocean, Jonah said, When I had lost hope, I once again turned my thoughts to the Lord. God uses pain to gain attention, to get our attention. Secondly, God uses pain to teach us to depend on him. You don't know that God is all you need until God is all you got. Paul says this 
uh, says it this way in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 10. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. If you never had a problem, you would never know that God could solve it. God allows pain to teach you to depend on him. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 71, It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. The truth is, some things we only learn through pain, and depending on God is one of those things. Thirdly, God allows pain to give ministry to give to give of you a ministry to others. Pain prepares you to serve. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 through 4, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Everybody needs recovery some of some type. Nobody's perfect. Who can better help an alcoholic than somebody who struggled with alcoholism? Who can better help someone dealing with the pain of abuse other than someone who was abused themselves? God wants to use and recycle the pain in our lives to help others, but we've got to be open and honest about it. God uses your pain to help other people. And this is the real, uh, the area that I really want to emphasize today. Because here in our church, we have many people hurting and suffering. And between all of us, we have the tools to help every single one of them. Maybe it's through your expertise in a certain area that would provide help or comfort to that person. Maybe you have experience and expertise in the medical field as nurses. And you could provide medical advice to people who are hurting or suffering. Maybe you're a good cook. And you can prepare food and take it to a shut-in who's unable to get out or prepare their own. Maybe you're a good handyman and you could do some carpentry or plumbing or electrical work for a, for a church member who may need it or may not be able to afford to pay for anyone else to do it. Maybe you're able to sign so that you could talk to Derek or Crystal or Nate. Maybe you're a good driver and you would be able to Take someone to a doctor's appointment that they need to go to and don't have any other transportation. Maybe you're good with crafts, and when Bible school comes around, you could help with our Bible school and help the young people with their crafts. Maybe it's just with a hug. Maybe with a smile. Maybe with a friendly handshake and a reminder that God, as well as you, love them. Maybe it is because your own suffering was similar to what they're going through and you can provide advice. This was the case last week in our Sunday school class where some of us were going through similar situations and we were able to talk about it out loud and get comfort from knowing that wasn't going through it by yourself and other people had been there. But whatever the gesture, our people need it and we need to be able, willing to give it. I know that we're all in different stages in our lives 
Some have demanding jobs, which prevent you from being at church every time the doors are open or special things going on. Some of us are old. Some of, some of us are young, trying to raise a family, and you're busy picking kids up from school or ball practice or piano lessons or whatever the case may be. It just seems like you never have enough time in the day. But many things the evil one can put in our path to keep us from helping one another. But here at this church, you all seem to be able to prioritize time and give it willingly when needed. And when I'm talking about helping each other, I'm not just talking about the older members in our congregation. Young people have to go through so much today. I worked with teenagers for 30 years, as well as raising two of my own. And uh, even then, it was a lot different than it is today. But um, sometimes they need different things. Sometimes they need you to listen. Sometimes they need you to give them advice and put them on a straight path. Sometimes they just need to talk, period, and, uh, because they don't get another opportunity to do that. And I had that opportunity to deal with, it, deal with teenagers on, on different levels. Uh, for 20 years as a teacher and a coach, it was, you know, it was more, I don't know, I guess happier or social type time talking with kids and listening to them at practice and listening to them as they're warming up what all they're going through and, and they're talking to their friends about what they're doing that weekend or that night or whatever. But then as an administrator, and kids usually came in my office because they were in trouble, it was a different type of guidance. A lot of times they wanted to talk, and a lot of times their problems stemmed from what went on at home. Sometimes their problem was at home, and other times the problem that occurred at school was a reflection of a problem that had went on at home. But, um, but we can provide that here. we got people that can listen and talk to young people, and sometimes that's all we need to do is just talk. Our little ones as well need to know we care. They need to feel comfortable around us. Last Sunday night was a prime example. The youth and some of the little ones uh, participated in the derby. Uh, we had a good crowd of adults here. Uh, to support them, and I think that was great. Uh, what a good time to fellowship, eat, and laugh a little bit. We are truly blessed, first and foremost, because we have a Bible-believing, God-fearing, God-loving church. Secondly, we have a pastor who loves the Lord and us. He daily seeks God's will for his life, our church, and his congregation. He leads by example, freely giving of his time, even when he doesn't really have it to give. And thirdly, thirdly, let me just say that the people in this church are a blessing to Donna and I. The warmth and love that you get uh, in this church when you walk in the door is unmatched by any church we've ever been in. We can take care of each other in this church, and I know we will continue to do so. But we are so blessed. We're blessed with singers like we got to experience this morning, and musicians. Wendy playing the piano now on Sundays and Wednesday nights. Interpreters, Donna and Jennifer, so that we can reach that death ministry. We've got good cooks. We like to eat here. We like to have a, it's never a bad time to have food at a, at a gathering. We have people, we're blessed that we have people that can organize certain things. We're blessed with sect-savvy, sect-tech-savvy people like back in the sound booth. We're blessed with good Sunday school teachers both in our youth and our children. So we are truly best, and I pray that uh, we realize that and thank God for it every day, because uh, that's not the case in all churches.
He really isn't. One last note here uh, as I close. Um, Williams divided the church role in uh, giving each deacon a ministry group. Uh, most of you have probably been contacted by your deacon already. If not, you soon will be. And uh, this is an effort, again, to better serve our members. Uh, I encourage you not to hesitate. If you have a, a need of something or you just want us to pray for something for you, that uh, you please contact us. And if you feel more comfortable talking to a deacon other than the one that you were assigned, maybe because you have known them longer or you have a comfort level with them, uh, please feel free to do that. You don't necessarily have to talk to the, the deacon that uh, you've been assigned or has contacted you. Well, I told you I'd get you out early, and that's it. So if we'd all stand right now and, and bow your heads as some music plays. <laughs>